For months, I've been trying to acquire my daughter's medical records, but I kept running into roadblocks regarding the documentation I was providing as proof I was her father. Finally, I requested a copy of the birth certificate online, submitted that to the hospital, and in June, my request was granted. 600 pages. That's how large my daughter's medical records file was. Just to put that into perspective for you, a ream of paper is 500 sheets. She had a ream of paper plus 100 more pages. Court was literally a little over a month away, and by the look of it, I had a lot of work to do if I was going to be prepared. Kay and I spent I don't know how many nights and hours going over the records with a fine-tooth comb, searching and putting together the pieces of my daughter's life through them. I'm not going to go through all 600 pages, but I will cover what I feel are important details that will help you get a clearer picture of what was really going on. Having these records helped me understand timelines regarding father number one and two, but also what it was like for my daughter during these times. I have to warn you, some of it is unpleasant, and I struggle with how much I really wanted to share. Around the same time, I received some of the mother's medical history regarding drugs. I will not disclose how I received this info or from who. Let's just say I know a guy and leave it at that. I'll quickly go over that and then get into my daughters. Here are the highlights as it pertains to the mother. In 2016, she had a heroin overdose. In 2017, she had a heroin overdose and subsequently lost the child she was pregnant with. And then in January of 2018, approximately two months before I was served with the child support papers, she overdosed again. That put a lot of things into perspective for me. This made it clear why she didn't complete her required court-ordered obligations for her DUI. She was still getting high during that time. It also made clear why hygiene, manners, and educational developments were how they were for my daughter. The mother was too busy getting high to worry about anyone or anything besides herself and the dope. Oh, and can we not forget those infamous words in her response to my request for custody? Let me refresh your memory. The mother reported, that she has only used heroin twice, once being when she got her DUI and she hasn't used since 2016. How did anyone with a degree in a specialized field miss all the signs and allow her to still have custody with a child? If I could find this, there's no reason why the judge couldn't find it. Plus, it made it more clear why the mother refused to give it to us when we requested it for trial. Too bad this was totally inadmissible in court. The way I came about this info was illegal, so I definitely wasn't bringing this up in trial. I did, however, alert my attorney, who in turn tried to subpoena the records from the hospital. However, she was stonewalled. COVID made a lot of things difficult. Before I get into my daughter's records, let me first say this. I struggled with writing this episode. It's been tough to go back and relive many of the things I have shared. But going back over the medical records, that was tougher. There are things in that file that will not only break your heart, but make you wonder. Make you wonder how someone can show so many signs of neglect and instability. Yet, none of the professionals involved stepped in to do anything. Which brings me to my next dilemma. The biggest issue I struggled with was how much to share. This weighed on me for days, probably closer to a week. I pride myself on telling this story exactly how it happened and including as much detail as possible. 
But it's one thing to talk about the mother and her mountain of issues and missteps. Not only is she an unfortunate, relevant part of the story, but discussing those things paints a picture of who I was dealing with. But most of all, exposes the truth. Anyway, after a week of debating, I decided that I wouldn't share the intimate details of my daughter's medical history. Some of that information is just too sensitive. It is also my obligation as her father to protect her at all costs. So to broadcast that information on such well-known platforms wouldn't be doing so. Who knows, maybe I'll put it in the book, but for now, it's off limits. What I will do is paint a picture and let you fill in the rest on your own. Trust me, it won't be hard. The records go back to 2014 and stop at 2019. As a reminder, there were 600 pages of records. This is a brief outline. From 2014 to 2019, my daughter had a total of 28 sick visits to her pediatrician. 11 in 2014, 10 in 2015, 2 in 2016, 1 in 2017, 2 in 2018, and 2 in 2019. This does not include checkup or wellness visits. For that category, there are a total of 11 for that time period. Those were just her pediatric visits. Her hospital records were also included, and that time period ranges from 2014 to 2019. The total time she visited the ER during that time period, you ask? 23. Four visits in 2014, four visits in 2015, four visits in 2016, six visits in 2017, and five visits in 2018. She was averaging a hospital visit once a quarter. Some of you may be asking, well, was she a sick child growing up? Does she have a lot of medical issues now? To that, I will answer no, but with a caveat. Most of the issues could have been avoided. The more serious ones were clearly due to neglect. The others were based on the mother's erratic behavior and way of thinking. When you add up all three categories, the total number of visits is 62. 62 visits. And at the time of me receiving this, my daughter was six. No one sees anything wrong with that. The one thing I didn't know and surprised me while I went through the records was how much info they put in regarding the visit. It's not just what the child was brought in for. It tells you who brought them in, their relationship to the child, and current living arrangements for that child. I want to revisit her response to my original filing for custody. In her response, and I quote, the mother stated that my daughter only, only in all caps, called and known father number three as her father, which was her current boyfriend. She says, my ex was in her life in the beginning, where her last name came from. But she was months old when we separated. And until father number three, she wasn't exposed to anyone as a father figure. I'm going to place emphasis on the word expose. Because that's exactly what these medical records did to her. You see, the medical records don't lie. And neither do the numbers. It's clear from the records that father number one was in fact in my daughter's life. And they did separate when she was months old. 48 months old, to be exact. That's right. He was in her life until she was four years old. And even when they separated, dude still had my daughter every other week, according to statements made by the mother to the pediatrician. 
The wildest part of it all is in January 2017, father number one is listed as dad when he took my daughter to the ER with the mother. And in April, father number two is listed as dad when he accompanied the mother to the ER. So she literally had two dads three months apart, according to her medical records. The real smoking gun came from the birth records. Father number one was present on the day my daughter was born. Not only do the medical records back this up, but so does a post from father number one. Posted to his Facebook account, December 16th, 2013. It states, it has been a memorable last two days. Exhausted. The only person to comment on this post is the mother. She says, I love you, baby, so much. You're a perfect boyfriend and father. Our daughter and I are so blessed to have you. I couldn't ask for anything else. The medical records for the pediatrician also list, in her handwriting, both father number one and the mother as the parents. There is even a page that lists their medical history, such as allergies, diseases known to run in each family, and their psychological fitness. This information is extremely important, especially when it comes to treating a child. If father number one wasn't the father, his section should have been left blank because one of the first things doctors will look at if my daughter had a major issue was family history. Father number one had asthma, thyroid disease, and kidney disease listed as family ailments. The only problem was he wasn't her father. So when my daughter was brought in for wheezing, what's the first thing they thought? Well, the father does have a family history of asthma. You get my point, right? So we know father number one was there at birth until my daughter was four. I'm getting to the smoking gun, don't worry. A newborn super bill is done on the day the child is born. It is an itemized list of all services provided to a client. It's used by healthcare providers as a primary source of data for creating claims. These claims will eventually be submitted to the payers for reimbursement. Basically, it's a way for the hospital to get paid for all the services rendered during childbirth. Let me emphasize this one more time. Father number one is listed on all documentation and was present during my daughter's birth. So when I came across the super bill and saw my name clear as day in black and white in the parent section next to the mother's name, I could only come to one conclusion. She knew. This is Destination Unknown. From No Dad to Girl Dad. Episode 15. This changes everything. I didn't know what to think. Maybe I did, but I don't know. It's like taking everything you thought you knew about something and then having to forget it. Let's face it, all roads up until this point led to the mother thinking father number one was the father. But now, after seeing my name on that super bill, it was clear that that road was just a detour to the truth. It's quite perplexing when you think about it. How could someone hide something so monumentally life-changing from another person? 
and then decide randomly one day to tell that person in the form of a child support letter. Then, to add insult to injury, accuse them of not only failing to be present, but leaving her to do it all alone. It leaves you wondering about the amount of evil it takes for that person to not only do that, but also believe it. To the point where they scream it from the rooftop with such confidence that people really believe it. I was dealing with someone who lacked the conscience and the basic quality of remorse. Not just for me, though, but for her own flesh and blood. The little girl she helped give life to. You think about all of those things and you can only come to one conclusion. She was the devil in its physical form. A spineless, gutless, manipulative parasite whose only purpose in life was self-serving. Like I said the last episode, the closer we got to our court date in July, the more ridiculous she became. The fourth Wednesday of my new Wednesday dinner schedule, I couldn't get out of work until four. Being as though I had to go into the office every day, depending on staffing and what I had going on, the time I could leave work would fluctuate. I sent the text to the mother, and this was the exchange. I'll be there to get around 4.30. Going forward, that will be the set time to get her. Thank you. We will be at the YMCA. You can pick her up there. Let me know when you get here and I'll walk her to the front. Next week, I will be there at my normal time of 3 p.m. Again, you don't dictate Wednesday nights. I'm not coming to the Y as that is out of my way. You can meet me at your house but I'm not driving to the Y. We will be home at five then. You don't get to decide what time I have her on Wednesdays. That is not up to you. I will meet you at your house, and if you're not there, you'll be reported. Simple as that. I'm telling you where we will be at your time to pick up. Her summer camp is at the YMCA, so getting used to the drive will be good for you. I'm not keeping her from you. Summer camp. I should have been notified about that before you decided to put her in there. You also should have notified me about the change of pickup location ahead of time. So next week and moving forward at three, she will be at the Y when I pick her up? No. When the camp opens, she will either be there or daycare, whichever has availability. Phase two doesn't even start until June 15th. When I decide, we will talk. Wait, but you just said she was in summer camp. If she's not in summer camp, there's no reason for me to drive to the Y. Look, I really don't have the patience today to deal with you being petty. I'll be at your house, where I have always picked her up, at 4.30. Since she is not in summer camp, this gives you plenty of time to get her ready. If you're not there, I'll just report it. We swim there. No one said anything about her being in camp today. When we pulled up to get my daughter, they were nowhere in sight. A few minutes later, they pulled up. When my daughter got out of the car, she was soaking wet and in a bathing suit. Seriously, who does that? I don't care how late I was. If it was me, when we got home, she would have had to go in the house to change. They just would have had to wait. Instead, she got into our car with the wet bathing suit. 
I thought it was standard procedure to change out of a wet bathing suit when you were done swimming, especially the drive home. But what do I know? I had only been a parent for a year, right? According to the mother. When we got home, we had to change my daughter into dry clothes and put her bathing suit in the dryer. The sad part was her mother didn't even send a change of clothes with her. And there was no chance of me sending anything I purchased over there, especially her clothes. That meant she had to go home wearing a bathing suit. So it was a good thing I dropped her off at the front door. On top of that, she was starving because she had only eaten breakfast. She devoured a plate of steak and shrimp with mashed potatoes. And while we were sitting at the table, my daughter brought up that she was not allowed to say she liked coming over to my house. In fact, she was forced to say she hated it over here. As much as it annoyed me, I didn't expect anything less from the brainless bunch. Staying true to form, I took the high road and explained to her that it was okay to like both houses and that she didn't have to choose. When we dropped her off while she was walking to the door, she turned around and had this sad look on her face. I waved to her and blew her a kiss. A couple minutes later, the mother sent the text. And going forward, four o'clock is the time to pick up. Didn't she realize by now I was going to do what I wanted to? That Friday was my weekend with my daughter, since the mother had rescinded her original offer after she called the cops. I wasn't tripping, though. As much as I love spending time with my daughter, having a break the previous week was a nice change of pace. Besides, we'd had her every Saturday since January and every Saturday and Sunday since March. When we arrived for pickup that Saturday, my daughter walked out the house and she got about halfway to us when the mother called her back in. When she came out, she had that stupid blanket with her, along with the mother and Felonius Freddy. They walked out with her. She started walking again, and the mother made her go back and give Felonius Freddy a hug. I guess that was supposed to bother me or something. Really, it just made me look at him like a weirdo. When we got to the house, my daughter seemed to be upset, so I asked her what was wrong. She told us that her parents said she couldn't take her hair out of the ponytail or have Kay do it, or she would be in trouble. She was literally in tears. So I said, okay, let me ask you a few things before we get to that. First of all, her hair smelled like chlorine. So I said, when was the last time your hair was washed? She said, I don't know. I then asked, when was the last time it was combed out? And she told me, it hadn't been combed out since the last time she was here. She said her mom just wet it, and put it in a ponytail. The last time we did her hair was May 22nd. It was June 5th. My daughter has good curly hair and it needs to be taken care of properly and often. The mother wasn't doing anything close to taking care of it. We were. Yet, she had a problem with it. I told my daughter that she only had one parent over there and that was her mother. Her other parent was me. So as her other parent, I was going to take her hair out. We were going to wash it, comb it out, and do it because she liked her hair being done, and that's what mattered. I was over the mother's stupid games. We ended up doing her hair and just chilling for the rest of the day. The mother didn't call or text me, and my daughter didn't ask for it, so I let it go. A few days before, we purchased 300 water balloons and decided we would use them that weekend so the kids had something to do. Saturday afternoon, I went out back, filled three buckets full of balloons, and we ran around throwing water balloons at each other. And of course, 
I became the main target. When we were finished, we cleaned up and fixed something to eat. After that, my daughter took a shower and my girlfriend cut and painted both her fingernails and toenails in the basement. Later that night, while we were still in the basement, I received a text from the mother. It's now past nine o'clock. I don't know what time you allow her to go to bed, but we are going to bed soon and would like to talk to her. Okay, what's stopping you? You. And then she sent a picture of her on FaceTime with the screen that says poor connection. All of this is documented and will be brought up in court. You cannot interfere with communication. Now have her call me where I can see her face and hear her voice, or I am sending the police. I documented the whole ordeal for court. This is how it went down, from start to finish, in real time, while the mother was texting me. Ask your mom what happened. Tell her you saw her, but she wasn't saying anything. They're almost there. Oh, it's not. Patrick, can I see, see you on the trial? No, not yet. They're almost done. done. That's weird. Well, I don't understand. I don't get it either. One time I took some pictures, and guess what? I wanted to take pictures with the sun, and it worked. And I'm all sheep. Can try it again? No. Just regular call. Try regular calling. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, maybe the phone's broken. I don't, I don't know. It's ringing. Yeah, we did water balloons. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It was yeah. Like, been the water door, so it's pretty hot for that. It's here? I was just so excited that the deer came out. You said you were excited that the deer came out and the fox. Here. If you hold it up like that, she'll be able to hear you. The deer and the fox. Oh, did you see them? No. Where are they? Outside. Oh, like in the backyard? Yeah. That is so cool. If you're really quiet, you'll be able to see them. It's just the major noise that you're scared. And then they run away. Yeah, so then you can... And then we have these signs in the living room. It's like... It's like... Like, God is good all the time. I don't know what the other one says. I think that is an awesome sign. It says, we are blessed. We are blessed. And then it says, love you more. Love you more. I think all of those sound awesome. Every time when I get my nails or my feet, I, I feel like they're still wet. So I act like they're wet. Happens. Like it happens all the time. Yeah, like if you touch something, then they get like a line on them. No, I just feel like, I just feel like they're wet. Like right now. So maybe just let them sit just an extra couple of minutes that way. That way they don't get messed up just in case they're not all the way dry. Well, we yeah. put the lotion on, so you're good. Well, we have to dip them in, in the thing. Dip them in the thing? Yeah, so we could, in the... Remover. Uh, polish remover. Oh, oh, okay. We have to get a bowl and pour it in there, but not a lot. Okay, so help get the other polish off. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then we wiped it, and it came off. Fun day. Well, that's, and that's what I love to hear. And you sound like you have fun. You sound happy. 
fun, and the water balloons are so much fun. So I'm glad that you did that. Yeah, we did all the packs, all three of the packs. <laughs> so we had six, and then three more. So first we had one, and then five, two more. What? She bought love. But That's awesome. So how many balloons yeah, were there? Three hundred. There was three hundred balloons. No, but all together or in each bag? All together. All together. That's a lot of water balloons. I know, right? I tell you everyone. Because there was a hundred each pack. Oh, okay. Are they giant? I don't know. You want me to see? I think my mom's gonna. A couple people are coming over tomorrow, um, and I got, I got a birthday cake, and we're gonna get some pizza. Is Daddy right and, there? No. Okay. And uh, I got some pizza. We're gonna get pizza, and I got a birthday cake, and I got him a card from you, and one from Carl. So we can get home, you can sign it, and we can get you can help me write um, happy birthday on the cake. Okay. But so we can't say anything, so when you get home, just pretend like everything. I wouldn't remember. Huh? I wouldn't remember. Well, I'll remind you when you get dropped off. Before we walk in the house, I'll remind you. But Aunt Jen and Logan are coming over, and Uncle Steph and Aunt Fred and my mom, everyone's going to be here. Okay. I have to be yeah. Over. Because the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that everyone's... It's our family. Uh, yeah, but we still want to be safe. So we're not going to have a bunch of people. Just a couple people, some family, and we'll have some pizza, some cake, and say happy birthday. Yeah. So. But it's the uh, ice cream cake. I know that's your favorite. Yum. The one with the little cookies in it. Yeah. We'll have to try to save a couple extra pieces so when everyone leaves the menu. In case you didn't notice, she referred to father number three twice as daddy, and my daughter even took the liberty of calling him that. Was it painful for me to hear her reference him as that? Yes, of course. I have been seeing my daughter consistently since September. It was now June and approaching a year. My daughter hadn't called me dad once. Instead, she would tap me or get in my space when she wanted my attention. She wouldn't call me dad or refer to me as such or as anything for a matter of fact. She was confused, and it didn't matter how many conversations I had with her to solidify who I was in her life. The reality was, her time that she had with her mother, she was being brainwashed, 
and that outweighed the little bit of time I was getting. Her mother referred to me as Michael. Even to her. So what message was that sending to her as a child? It hurt me, but it was a delicate situation. Not that it should have been a situation anyway, but I wasn't about to add to my daughter's confusion. That's why I was so big on therapy. And that's what I was going to push for in court. She needed to understand that what her mother was doing was wrong without me making her feel like she was being pulled on both ends. That Wednesday, I received a link from the mother regarding therapy options for my daughter with the following text. I contacted them and when I get more information, I'll send the information to you in hopes we can discuss it. I didn't respond. She sabotaged a perfectly good opportunity with the therapist it took me so long to get a meeting with the first time. Now she wanted to run point? When the therapist didn't get back to her after a day, she was deemed unprofessional and the mother wasn't impressed, but she was willing to wait for information from the one she chose. Man, get out of here. A few days later, I received a text from the mother. Now I was expecting to hear back about this therapist since that's the last thing she texted me. Instead, she sent this. She starts the YMCA summer camp July 27th through August 28th. She also has a dentist appointment June 29th at noon. Her physical is June 26th at 9.30. She was so inconsistent with giving info, I didn't feel the need to respond. A little while later, she sent me another text. Tomorrow we are picking her things up from school. What time are you picking her up? Just want to make sure we are here. I ignored her again because it was Monday. I don't get my daughter on Tuesday. So that wasn't my concern when she went to pick anything up. The next day, I received another message. I meant Wednesday. Sorry. After an hour of no response, she texts me again. I haven't heard from you, so I'll just assume 4 o'clock tomorrow is okay. Have a great day. To which I responded. Three. Out of all the days she could have gone to that school, she chose an afternoon when I was scheduled to get her. I wasn't about to feed into her nonsense. She just wanted a reason to reach out to me. The next day, I picked my daughter up at three with no issues and brought her home with me to eat dinner. Everything was going good until it was time to leave. Why? Because. You have to go. You have to leave. Why? Because it's part of the agreement. This is an agreement. Part of the deal. Part of the plan. Come on. I get you on Wednesdays until 7.30. But you'll spend all weekend with me, okay? Why do I have to leave? How many days until you come back? 300. Thursday, Friday. Boom. You're back here. You'll be back here. This was becoming a normal thing. She never wanted to leave, and even though I couldn't figure out if it was genuine or for show, it still pulled at my heartstrings. That weekend was Father's Day weekend, so instead of dropping my daughter off at 9 on Sunday, I would have her until 6. Midday Saturday, I jumped in the pool and, like a dummy, forgot I had my phone in my pocket. By the time I realized it, it was too late. Since I didn't have a phone, I had to use my iPad. But who carries an iPad around all day? So that evening, I had my daughter call her mother, just in case. They talked, and all was good until Rehab Ronnie got on the phone. 
Here's the end of the call. Yeah. So you're I wasn't about to listen to that clown. The crazy part is, the mother didn't even explain to my daughter why she was staying longer. Not that I expected anything different. I just thought I would point that out. My first official Father's Day. Man, it was so weird. Not in a bad way. But it was something I hadn't experienced being a new father and all. It was special though. The first thing we did was explain to my daughter why she was going to be with us longer than normal that day. We explained that it was Father's Day. And because I was her real father, she would be spending the day with me. I also said that if father number three was her dad, she would be spending the day with him. But he's not. And I told her it was important for her to know that. After that, they gave me my gifts, which included a watch, a few shirts, shorts, two framed pictures of my daughter and I together that I didn't even know were taken, and a card. I was pretty happy. And overall, it was a good day. After the gifts, we ate breakfast. Then that afternoon, after lunch, we sat out on the deck and made slime. I dropped my daughter off at 6 and then went back home. Shortly after I arrived, the mother sent a text. Communication, or lack thereof, will be addressed in court. You can't have her all day and only feed her two meals. You're a sad excuse for a father, and that's why you will always be Michael. I didn't respond. She was mad because my daughter had to recognize me as her only dad that day. Besides, it was six when I dropped her off. Be a parent. Make dinner, not excuses. Later that night, the mother posted a Father's Day tribute to Felonius Freddie. In the photo, the mother and Felonius Freddie and my daughter are standing next to each other. The caption reads, I cannot thank you enough for being the father you are to our two children. Thank you for stepping up and being a father figure to our daughter and showing her unconditional love and support. I love you more because you love her. Thank you for showing our son what it means to be a good man and giving him an amazing role model. Thank you for always putting Jesus first and guiding our family to a faith-filled life with Christ. Thank you for being you. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. I'm sorry. That last part made me laugh. Putting Jesus first and guiding our family to a faith-filled life with Christ Keeping a father away from his child. The parental alienation. Where was the Christ in that? That ain't no work of the Lord. Both of them were going straight to hell. On Wednesday, I texted mother to let her know I would be there at 4.30. Balancing work in this schedule was rough. And I was fortunate to have some flexibility at times. But I still had days when I couldn't make that 3 p.m. time frame. The mother sent back. Then 4.30 will be the time going forward. Man, whatever. Two days later, my daughter was allegedly scheduled for a doctor's appointment for a physical. Remember, she said she would update me. Yeah, that was a lot. That weekend, we had my daughter, and I wish I could report that we did something fun. But unfortunately, 
it was pretty much the same routine. We did her hair, played some games, and my daughter played dress up with my girlfriend's clothes. That Monday, I called the doctor's office and spoke to the receptionist. I asked if I could receive an update regarding my daughter's appointment on Friday. She informed me the mother was a no-call, no-show, and that she didn't call until later that day to reschedule for July 8th. The funny part is that I received a text from someone with a picture of the mother, my daughter, and rehab Ronnie at the beach on Friday when she should have been at the doctor's. I guess the beach was more important. That evening, I received a text from the mother. Can you please do more simple styles in her hair going forward? I am trying to get these braids and rubber bands out, and she is screaming. She does not need rubber bands in her hair. It is not good for her hair. I can send over hair ties if she wants to use hair ties. I don't care if she does her hair. I can't stop that. But I would really appreciate if we didn't use rubber bands. Please. All you have to do is cut them out. She's never screamed or cried at our house because all we do is have her stay still while we cut them. I'm cutting them out now, Michael. All I'm asking is if you could do hair ties instead of rubber bands because they do damage to her hair. She also sent an article from Google referencing why rubber bands are bad for hair. Think about this for a second. We just did her hair on Saturday. It was Monday. Why was she taking her hair out in the first place? We did it so it could stay in. She didn't have to touch it, so I sent back. Her rubber bands are made for her hair. Are you complaining that she's screaming and crying, or are you complaining about the rubber bands? The rubber bands, they're not good for her hair, as the above link shows. Yeah, I wasn't about to have that conversation, so I just ignored her. A few hours later, at the request of my attorney, I sent her a message regarding the court order co-parenting counseling. This is the exchange. What type of plan are you under for Medicaid for yourself? I don't have insurance. Okay. Well, here's the info again for the court-appointed co-parenting counseling. They accept my insurance. There's a $30 copay from me. They accept two kinds of Medicaid, Blue Cross Health Options or AmeriHealth. If you don't have insurance, the fee is $125 per session. They have Saturdays available from 12.30 to 1.30. It will be a group session, the two of us, along with two therapists, a male and a female. You would just pay the $125 out of pocket since you don't have insurance. Let me know so I can set up the first appointment. The judge stated that any counseling is at your expense. I'm only responsible for the copay of the parties not the session fee itself. Okay, well, $125 is not feasible right now, so I guess that can be something else that's brought up in court. The judge clearly stated that the sessions were at your cost. Listen, a copay is a fixed amount you pay for covered health care services. You stated during our first conversation regarding this that you had insurance through Medicaid. Why? And how come you don't have insurance at all? I had Medicaid and I don't anymore. So is my daughter's insurance card still valid? Also, is she going to the correct feeder school this coming school year? Yes, she still has insurance. If that changes, you will be the first to know. And yes, she will be going to a school in our neighborhood. 
That's where all her friends go, and so she's excited. So did I not have a say in this decision? Because that is a decision that we are both supposed to make together. From a pure educational standpoint, we need to decide which school she is going to get a quality education from. Did you do any research? Does it have any special programs to get her where she needs to be? What's the proficiency level in terms of math and language arts? All of these things have to be taken into consideration. I have contacts at better schools that I could have reached out to, and I still can, so that we could have made an informed decision. I also have a better feeder pattern. You cannot make these decisions alone. Education is very important to me, and I want her to have the best opportunity to succeed. You have yet to communicate with me about anything. I text you when she has doctor's appointments. You don't respond. I text you to ask if I can speak with her, and I have to call the police in order to be able to talk to my child. The last three months of school that she was doing homeschooling, I hardly heard from you in regards to how she was doing, and you still haven't asked about her report card. You show no effort when it comes to communication with me or with your child. You only see her every other weekend and Wednesdays and no phone calls in between. I think it's really funny how all of a sudden court is coming up in a few days and now you want to act like you care. The only thing you need to focus on is abiding by the court order. Have a good night, Michael. So are you going to answer any of my questions I asked regarding her education? Or should I take the above answer as you being uncooperative? They're a wonderful school. So you decided that's where she's going without consulting me and us having a conversation? Not at all. I can't have a conversation with you. If I talk, you don't respond. This is the most that I've heard from you since court in January, lol. This is not a joke. This is our child's education, which is a very serious matter. You just said that's where she's going. So, is she enrolled in the school or not? Because you never brought any of this to my attention. Not once. Because if you did, I would have had a lot to say about it. My recommendations are the charter school and the elementary school and my feeder pattern. I've taken the liberty of breaking down all three schools by rank, rating, and other factors, and here is where they stack up against each other. The charter school is rated A+. The elementary school and my feeder pattern is rated at A minus. The school in your neighborhood is a B minus. The charter school was number two on the best elementary schools list. The elementary school is 22. The one in your neighborhood is not rated at all because the list stops at 70. The percentage of kids on reduced free lunch at the charter school is less than 15%. The elementary school in my feeder pattern is 15%. And the school in your neighborhood is 38%. That last metric is the most important because it speaks to the type of child going to the school and the type of parent sending them. I know it sounds bad, but if it's about my daughter's best interest, she should go to a quality school with a quality student body because that makes a difference. I ask that you look at this and consider the other two options and we discuss any concerns you have about any of them so that we can make an informed decision together. Also, May I have copies of, of the submitted enrollment forms you have for your elementary school in your neighborhood? 
You cannot just choice a child six weeks before school starts, Michael. You are so clueless when it comes to parenting. Closure for choice was January 8th. Had you cared sooner, we could have choiced her then, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. But you choose to care a few days before court, as always. Her best interest will always be my number one priority, as it's been since she was born. Can you say the same? Please don't come into her life and think you can just make decisions that disrupt her entire routine and everyday life. We can further discuss school, but the charter is not an option for this school year, as per the attached document showing the enrollment dates. And you're asking for documentation that doesn't exist. Once again, you assume she enrolled in that particular school and make demands. Unfortunately, I have to discuss everything with you before making decisions, which has been difficult because you don't respond to most communication. You don't choice into a charter school. There is a lottery. And when you have contacts slash connections like I do, a lottery doesn't matter. So the charter school is very much on the table. The elementary school is in my feeder pattern. So again, choice would not be involved. You just stated a few texts ago that she is going to the school in your neighborhood where all of her friends go. That implies it's done. The decision has been made. Again, you have never mentioned anything regarding what you were considering to do regarding this upcoming school year for our daughter. And if I didn't say anything, you would have let her attend the school in your neighborhood without any input from me. So. I'm asking you again, now that we've cleared this issue up, please look into the above schools so that we can have a discussion and make an informed decision regarding this matter. I know, I know. There is a lot to unpack there, and why wouldn't it be? By now, I was used to her pogo stick conversations. She bounced from one subject to the next without warning. I don't know why she thought I was responsible for paying $125 per session because she didn't have insurance. It still baffles me as to why she felt I should pay for her poor life decisions. She was an all-around irresponsible person. And the lies. One minute you have insurance, three months later you don't. Maybe if she kept a job, she wouldn't have to worry about health insurance or try to force me to pay her way through life. One thing was clear. She was not prepared for the onslaught of valid questions or information I had regarding school for our daughter. Did she really think that I would recommend schools knowing the deadline was up if I couldn't get her in? She had already made a decision about where our daughter was going to school, so it didn't matter. All she wanted to do was use this opportunity to throw insults and make claims about her being such a great provider from day one. After reading the medical records and finding the newborn super bill, I now had an understanding of what these bogus claims were about. You see, for her, constantly throwing shade at me about my lack of presence for the first five years and how she did it all alone because my daughter was her top priority. That hate and vitriol, though directed at me, was really the guilt and hatred she felt for herself. It must have sucked to wake up every single day and have to look at a child who looked so much like the man you kept from her, knowing you had a chance from the beginning to do the right thing. She had to live with that. And instead of taking the L and just making it right, now that I was here, she chose to keep fighting the inevitable. Like my man Bobby Womack said, when them skeletons come out the closet and chase you all around the room and the memories sail around like a ghost and dance around in a sad slow tune, come on, man. In other words, she had to live with that misery. And once that happened, she would be through. Back in September the previous year, 
I started laying the groundwork to have my daughter's last name changed to mine. It was a ridiculous process. First, the petition had to be put in the local paper for three consecutive weeks to give the public and, of course, the mother a chance to object. The local paper charged a publication fee of $125. After I received a letter from the newspaper stating that the publication ran successfully, I could then go to the courthouse, file the petition for the name change, and pay the $100 fee associated with filing. See what I'm talking about, though? I was constantly paying for her missteps when it came to my daughter. The problem back then was I didn't have the birth certificate with my name listed as the father, and I didn't have my daughter's social security card either. I now had the birth certificate, but still didn't have her social. The next day, I sent the mother a text and disguised the reason with something I knew she wouldn't object to. Hey, I'm setting up an account for our daughter. Can you send me a picture of her social security card, please? She didn't respond, which honestly, I wasn't worried about. I was going to get it one way or another. The next day, I found out I might have to close at work. My girlfriend agreed to pick my daughter up. But before doing so, I wanted to reference the court order. This is what the court order states in regards to transportation, verbatim. Unless otherwise ordered or mutually agreed, parents shall have shared responsibility for transportation of the child to and from their home for contact periods and may use another adult well known to the child for picking up or dropping off the child when necessary. Any person transporting the child shall not be under the influence of alcohol or drugs and must be a licensed, insured driver. All child restraints and seatbelt laws must be observed by the driver. Pretty simple to understand, right? This is how the conversation went when I let the mother know. Hey, I may have to close again tonight, so Kay will be there to get her around 3.45. We established the last visit that pickup is at 4.30. She will be there at 3.45. I never agreed to that, so she will be there at the above time. Also, I asked you for a picture of her social security card yesterday, and you ignored me. So I'm asking you again for the second time to send it because this is a time-sensitive matter. This time is not for her to get to know your girlfriend. It's to get to know you and build and establish a relationship with you. You can pick her up when you get off work. Please have her ready to be picked up at 345. And please send me a picture of her social security card. She will not be getting picked up by anyone but you. The court order is for you to have time, not your girlfriend. She will be ready when you pick her up. At this point, I was just going to mess with her. Just because I wanted to. So I sent back. Please have her ready to be picked up at 345. And please send me a picture of her social security card. If you are here with her to pick up, she will be ready at 345. Just have her ready at 345 and send a picture of her social security card. Will you be present at pickup? Please have her ready to be picked up at 345 and please send me a picture of her social security card. Okay, let's play the repeat ourselves game. Will you be present at pickup? No one is to pick her up but you. 
A third party may only pick up if we both agree. I do not agree to her being in the same car with her alone. So unless you are present at 345, she will not be ready. If you are here at 345, she will see you with a smile. Have a great day. That's your problem. Everything is a game or a joke to you. Nothing is funny or a game. Please have her ready to be picked up at 345. And please send me a picture of her social security card. I'm going back to work. Thank you. You can obtain a copy via the instructions above. What's her social security number? Isn't it sad how little you actually know? What's her social security number? I'm not home right now. I'm taking your daughter to the doctor. Another thing that you don't do. I'll get you her social security number when it's convenient for me, just like you do with all my texts. Look through your paperwork. It's on the court docs. Because I knew it was going to be a problem, I left work and followed Kay to pick my daughter up. Once my daughter got in the car, I left and headed back to work, not realizing I didn't strap my daughter in. So Kay had to do it. So while she's doing that, the mother in rehab, Ronnie, decided to start recording her and making comments. When she told me this, I was hot. I was reaching my boiling point with them both, and they both crossed the line. With court just days away, I didn't want a restraining order being my downfall. So I sent a text to the mother. The next time both of y'all want to record and have something to say, say it when I'm there. Don't wait for me to leave. She shouldn't be in the car with her. I specifically told you I wasn't comfortable with it, and you disobeyed the court order by having a third party pick her up. Every time she picks her up, whether you're in the car or not, she speeds off and accelerates super fast on purpose. That is dangerous driving, and I already explained to you that I wasn't comfortable with our daughter being in the car with her by herself. <clears throat> this is the third time that you violated the court order in one way or another. <clears throat> Correction, the fourth time. Like I said, the next time either you or him wants to record and talk crazy, do it when I'm there. She is with her, so deal with it. Glad you can count, though. Technically, I am her parent, and I did not authorize for your girlfriend to pick her up. If you are not with my child and have her call me from your phone, I'm going to call the police and make it known that she just kidnapped her. I want to speak to my child by 4.30. If you don't allow me to speak with her, I will call the police, and this will be the fifth time that you have violated the court order. She was picked up by an unauthorized third party. Do what you want. She's in my care until 7.30. I was there. It's not kidnapping. Call if that's how you feel, though. But you're not present now. This time is for you to spend with her, not your girlfriend. Again, this will also be documented and brought up to the judge. You heard what I said. See you at 730. Trust me, there was so much more I wanted to say and do. I hate that I had to be the bigger person during times like this just because of a biased family court system. She was the last person to tell me how and when I could spend time with my daughter. Quite frankly, it was none of her business what we did. She had no say and clearly couldn't read for comprehension. I knew that court order frontwards and backwards. I knew my rights. She was mad, jealous even, that Kay was playing a bigger role in her daughter's life than she'd ever had. The next day, 
Like nothing happened the night before, the mother sent me another text. May I have your email? What do you need it for? All of a sudden now, she sends a picture with the social security card. <laughs> what a joke. So I can send you the evidence for court. I did email it to your lawyer, but I believe I have to send it to you as well. Hello? Or I can hand deliver to your home tonight when you're there, whichever is easier for you. Did you send it to my lawyer? Is it in your sent folder? Because she doesn't have it. I'm attempting to send it now. It's very large. I left her a voicemail telling her I was sending it also. May I have your email to CC you? If for some reason it doesn't go through, I will hand deliver it to her office. You do know this was all due yesterday, right? Can you have her check again? I didn't get anything from your lawyer, so are you not submitting anything? It shows sent. I'm still hand-delivering to ensure everyone gets it. The court is sending it. All is done, including contempt of court. Have a great day. Thanks for not providing your email. It was July 9th. Court was on July 14th. If she wasn't so busy worried about the wrong thing, she might have gotten her evidence in on time. Little did she know, we did turn ours in before the deadline, and we included some of the medical records also. The joke was on her. Our court hearing was five days away, and I could tell she was panicking. It was time for our second showdown, a virtual court hearing scheduled for an hour and a half. I was well prepared for what was about to go down. The question is, was she? Destination Unknown is written and recorded by me. Music also by me. Follow me on Instagram at destinationunknown.podcast for updates. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss a show. <laughs>